again, we're back here on Faith FM with Encounter with God, where we get into our Bible study for the day. We are looking at the book of Revelation. We are going to talk about the fall of Babylon today, and then we are going to continue into Revelation chapter 19, which is one of the best chapters in the entire book of Revelation. But don't forget, <clears throat> oh goodness, it's my turn to do the frog yes, on thing. the don't, frogs are out this morning. Don't, don't forget, um, hashtag nature pill, hashtag Faith FM. Absolutely. I'm kind of jealous. And if you're wondering what Mon is talking about, if you only just tuned in, then uh, Mon, quick explanation. Oh, okay. So they've they've finally done really comprehensive studies that that now allows practitioners to prescribe time in nature as a uh, as a pill, as a medication, as an antidepressant, as an antidepressant. They can now prescribe it um, because it has. uh, who know what's that site? Observable, repeatable, and uh, testable. Testable uh, results. Yes. So yeah, get out in nature. Twenty minutes, half an hour. Don't be looking at a screen. Don't be reading. Don't be distracted. Don't be chatting. Is the equivalent Just of a low dose antidepressant, which exercise is also the equivalent of a low dose antidepressant. So you're getting two low doses if you exercise. It's actually in not nature. low dose. It's quite high. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. don't know why you're saying low dose. That's Lyle's spin on it, but it's actually quite high. Oh, and um, yeah, he's reporting. Yeah, just get out there, get in nature, and it can be whatever nature makes you feel like you're connected to nature. So you can be at the beach, you can be in the park, you can be in your garden, you can be up a tree, you can be underground in a cave. Just get out in nature. There's trees near where I'm working on my truck. Dude, you in this truck. So when they say no screens, it's because screens provide a distraction for the yeah, nature. Yeah, there's no screens. Do you really on my truck. think your truck is also not going to be a distraction for the nature? It's got nothing to do with the, the truck, truck having a awesome. screen. It's got to do with the truck being a distraction, which it does. Anyway, cool. leave your trucks behind. Get out in the sunshine in the nature. I'm going to post a photo of my truck. You don't truck even need with... to exercise. Apparently, if you're exercising, it actually distracts from the nature as well. So oh, aerobic really? exercise is actually counteractive to the nature benefit. Okay, so you do half an hour of each then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, you have to be focused on your exercise, and one, you have to be focused just on being at peace and being still. Be still and know that I am God. That's what the Bible says. So, yeah, get out there, be still. If you want to talk to someone, commune with God in your heart. Of course, 150 years ago, Ellen White wrote all about it. I know, we're so far behind, are we? Yeah, it's about time we caught up. It's nothing new, it's just science finally catching up. That's right, absolutely. And of course, if you read the Bible, then uh, we were all created to be in nature and to spend time in nature. Plan a camping trip, guys. Plan a camping trip and go to somewhere beautiful. It will just bring joy to your life. You will feel happier. Um, Leave the screens at home. Have a digital detox for the weekend. Leave the drugs and the stimulants and all that kind of stuff at home. And uh, just spend time surrounded by amazing things. You will be a better person for it. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4. Please, Mon. And before we go there, let me ask you this question. At the end of time, whereabouts are God's people? God's people. Hiding in his temple. Okay. All right. In the sanctuary. <laughs> Figuratively speaking. Figuratively speaking. But not speaking. literally speaking. But they're on earth. They're on, God's people are on earth. Yes. yes. Um, what church are they a part of? The well, the remnant church. Okay, you sure about that? Yes. Let's read verse eighteen. Uh, sorry, eighteen verse four. Eighteen verse four. Let me get to the right page. Once my fingers decide they want to work, then I heard another voice calling from heaven: "Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you'll be punished with her." Okay. Let me read it from mine where it simply says, um, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be be not partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues. So the plagues are about to fall Yes, in context here. 
the message has gone out, Babylon is fallen and has become the habitation of you know, demons and so forth. And then this very loud message goes out, come out of her, my people. So we're about to say God's people. So her refers to Babylon, Babylon right? So they yeah. must be inside Babylon. They're in Babylon. Absolutely. Yep. They've got to get out of Babylon. That's right. Okay. And this is a really, really important point because sometimes we can, you know, we, we, we tend to be like the Pharisees and we look at other churches and we're like, oh, yes, Babylon, the fallen churches of Babylon. <laughs> um, and so the temptation is to make, is for us to think that, you know, maybe somebody who belongs to a different church from us or a different church from you, whatever that church might be, might be lesser of a Christian because they don't belong to your church. Mm. The reality is that at the end of time, the Bible says God's people are in Babylon. Yeah, uh, God's people. So, which which simply means that God's people are all over the place. They are a part of many, many different uh, religious groups, all of which are deceived, and that's why God calls them out. It's as and simple as that. So, does that mean that they're like part of all different kinds of churches, and they're all going to religions and religions. even non-religions? And so, they're all going to come together and create like one super church. Yeah, well, that'd be an interesting scenario, except you've got this little thing called the seven last plagues, which probably means that you're not going to have a mega church happening anywhere on earth. And you've also got this other little thing called persecution, which means that they're probably not going to be building a big stadium somewhere and turning into a church. Oh, okay, fine then. But you will have God's people who are honest in heart, honestly worshipping God, and within their heart they have come out of Babylon, they have left it behind, and they are true worshippers of God. This is a movement of faith. It is a movement of uh, of people of faith. So this means that there's going to be, like, in heaven, after all this is... So it is unlikely, sorry for butting in. Go on, go on. It is unlikely that you will be able to identify these people by a name. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there's going to be a whole bunch of people in heaven who have come from all different kinds of denominations or non-denominations, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the point of even having a remnant church that has a name for all of them? Yeah, because of the message that is entrusted to a church. So a church is, is, is given a specific message to give. And so, for instance, for us as the Avenus, um, we present the three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14, which is described as the everlasting gospel. And you can read from you know verse 6 through 13 is a summary of, of everything that the Avenist church uh, teaches. And um, so the purpose for having a church, a denominated church, and denominated simply means named, mm-hmm. it always makes me laugh when people say, I belong to a non-denominational church. <laughs> yes, just by the fact that you have called it non-denominational, your name is non-denominational. You are, de- are a denomination. That's funny. I didn't, <laughs> didn't really realize that. That's yeah, funny. yeah. Denominated means named. Okay. And they name their church, no name. It's funny. We are the church of the no name. Yeah, yeah, the no no name church. Um, and uh, but you know, a church is given a message to present. It's called to present that message, and that's its purpose. That's its existence, and that's why it has a name. Um, but when you come right down to the very end of time, you're just going to have Christians all over the world. All over. All yeah. over. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's quite exciting, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Christians, of course, who share the same message, who share the same belief, um, and who are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, so can I just ask, when it says that these people are called to become to come out of Babylon, is there any way that we can avoid getting into Babylon in the first place? Because surely, surely Babylon must be a state of mind, right? Other than a yeah, and very situation. much, very much, what you've got taking place here at the end of time is you know you've got the final crisis happening. 
And this is where, you know, it, it becomes incredibly difficult. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, the purpose for a church mm-hmm. is to evangelize. Yes. And if you're just a Christian by yourself, your evangelistic witness is going to be incredibly limited compared to if you belong to a church and you can become a part of a team. There is a reason why in sports, there is a reason why in business, there is a reason why in whatever it might be, people form teams. In politics, they form teams. In the military, they form teams. And the reason for that is because a team becomes a force multiplier. Mm. So I meet many people and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to be one of those end-time Christians that doesn't belong to a church. Um, that is defeating the whole purpose of being a Christian because you don't have the force multiplier that a church creates. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, final crisis, very end of time. Certainly all of these things are going to fade into the distance, but let's let that happen in God's time and not ours. Mm, good point. That's a good point because I think we also – we all. We always try and run ahead of God. Time. Like, yeah, oh, time, yes, yeah. I'm going to run ahead of God and I'm going to, I'm going to make that time happen now. No, that's not what, uh, you know, not what we need to be focusing on. We need to be focusing on, you know, Jesus was a part of his church. Jesus created the idea of church. Paul said, you know, don't forsake, you know, the whole concept of church, gathering yourself together each week. Um, God invented all of this and he did so for a purpose. And just because, you know, in the final crisis, a lot of these things might disappear, we don't, we're not in the business of preempting that crisis. You know, we're in the business of, of making sure that, you know, we are followers of Jesus at every single point in our lives. And, you know, and this is what's important right here is to simply be a follower of Jesus. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Now, being a follower of Jesus would naturally mean that you ended up as part of the remnant church, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and this is what the remnant is. The remnant is a movement. Amen. It's a movement uh, presenting a message, an end time message, to get people ready for the coming of Jesus. That's that's what it all comes down to. And uh, you can do so much more if you are a part of a church. And if you are looking for a church, I would uh, come along and join us at Maitland. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the Hunter Valley plug, area. Plug, plug, Newcastle, wherever, you know. just uh, We actually have a special Easter service coming we do. this weekend. So we do. It'll not, be amazing. Yeah, it's really My great. wife is producing it, so it's going to be super amazing. Yes, our producer is producing it, would you believe, who also happens to be a wife. But I, I happen to have the blessing of... Um, listening to some of their choir practice and their music practice um, over the weekend. And it was, I was so excited. I can't wait to hear it. Yes, 72A Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Be there if you are anywhere within an hour's drive. And there goes Mon. <clears throat> Sorry. That's all right. Okay, so we're going to continue on. Revelation chapter 18, and we can probably summarize this chapter rather than reading through it verse by verse. Okay. Uh, because it does say a lot of the same thing over and over again. Basically, it says Babylon is fallen, Babylon is fallen. You, you, you've more or less, you've got, um, what have we got here, 24 verses saying Babylon is fallen. Really? Divided into a number of sections. And so uh, your first section is dealing with, uh, particularly as it starts, to, you come down to verse 9, the kings of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so what you've got here is globalism. Globalism has absorbed the world at the end of time, and globalism is driven by religion, politics, 
and money. And most of what we see being the driving forces behind globalism right now is politics and money. Okay. However, at the end of time, when it all collapses, the Bible begins in verse 9 by talking about, you know, the... The uh, where was it? Uh, the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. And so the whole system collapses, and the political leaders are so upset by what is happening because they built this great edifice of incredible power, and um, and and, and it all comes crashing down around their ears. Sounds a little bit like. Brexit, doesn't it? Yeah, Lyle. <laughs> oh, goodness. If I hear the word Brexit one more time, I swear to goodness. Bon? Yes. No. Over the next no, few days. No, don't even say it. I will not say this word. Thank you. But over the next few days, you are going to be continually bombarded oh, with this word. I'm so sick of it. And I hope in the next four days, they'll just like, you know what? We're done. Yeah. And then we can all move on. Yeah. And stop wasting money. I wish they'd taken every single last cent they've poured. Yeah, imagine that, imagine how much oxygen has been used on this subject. But just imagine all the all the expense and like the referendum costs and everything. They've just taken all that money and poured it. I don't know into one problem, one world problem. That world problem would now be completely solved. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whatever uh-huh. the problem is, uh-huh. there's been enough money. It yeah, it would be like eradicated off the face of the earth anyway. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay, but that's a microcosm mm-hmm. or, a, or a miniature look at what is actually going to take place on a global scale. Yeah. And so you've got all these politicians, their brains are absolutely just melting over what is taking place and like how is this possible? How could this have fall apart? This is so amazing and now it's just all collapsed and, you know, um, and this is human nature. This is what the Bible describes true, as human nature it? being like. It's true. So you've got this whole section. It begins right here, you know, the kings of the earth, and it talks about um, how they wail for the fall of Babylon and all of the money that it was going to bring in. And uh, then you go down to verse 15, and it goes to the merchants of the earth. Uh, you know, the, the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off uh, for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches has come to nothing. And then it goes on, every shipmaster in the company and ships and sailors and traders and so forth, uh, people who are involved in business and commerce and trade. So it moves from the political sphere to the... Uh, financial sphere, and the whole thing has collapsed on a global scale. And this is a picture of end-time events. Absolutely. So, like, we can expect to have our commerce and everything, finances, everything. And so what you, what you see happen in a small scale on occasions, like, for instance, the uh, $50 billion note that you gave me the other day from yes. Zimbabwe, which mm-hmm. is worth, um, what Two was it, bucks. $2? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it still gives me a giggle. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's one of my favorite presents ever. I'm going oh. to get so much mileage out of that. I already have so much mileage out of that. I'm so glad. Arthur Lawson $50 billion if he would um, marry that Ethiopian girl and he wasn't so keen, but anyway. Anyway, we love you, Lawson. We do. Okay, but that's what you're looking at on a global scale. It's interesting that, you know, for the last 30 years, people have been talking about a global financial meltdown, Mm -hmm. you know, a global financial crisis. And one of the things that, you know, I like to look at is debt and, and this kind of thing. Yes. Global debt. And when I first started looking at global debt, I think it was the year, let me think, it was the year 2004, I started to study the concept of global debt. And I looked at uh, debt in the United States. Mm-hmm. 
And in my family, um, there are three American citizens. Yeah. And so I looked at, okay, what is the sh- what is each citizen's share of the, uh, the, the, the national debt in the United States? Mm-hmm. And in 2004, each citizen's share was around about $12,000. Oh, whoa. So there's three of them in my home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just no way in a million years am I ever going to have the money to pay off that kind of a debt on you know on their behalf and just and just clear the debt for the United States. Yeah. And now, of course, um, each citizen's share is seventy five thousand dollars. That's a huge jump up. Yeah, because you think you know the, the population is increasing, and so therefore yeah. the productivity increases. You know, uh, you GDP think increases, more people all that kind born, of stuff. That they more would people being born. You know, the country's getting bigger. Get split lower and lower and lower. But no, no, it's just ballooning out of control. That's crazy. But they, which of course we all know, is something that. You know, you can't just keep going like that forever. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be asked to pay that money, are they? Because it's not like they put that money in, in debt. So whoever's got their own debt, right? Well, when there's debt, there's this thing called having to pay the debt back. I know, but but your three Americans in your family, unless they oh, contribute yeah, no, to no, that no, but, amount, but, yeah. but But how is a country of that size going to contribute yeah. to a debt that big? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know? That's 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 the bizarre part of it, is that if they wanted to to, to say, you know what, we're going to raise some taxes tomorrow, and we're going to clear our debt, mm-hmm. that's what it would cost. Yeah, each citizen yeah, would have th- to contribute that amount of money. I have also wondered about the the, the globalism and and the Bible prophecy in regards to debt, because you know I have a student the hex thing that most a lot of Australians do, and uh, and especially because the last few years the the government's been toying with the idea of selling off the Australian student loan debt to privatisation. And I've just been, you know, wondering what what does that spell for citizens like myself, and then also how does that play out in the in in stuff like this in Revelation eighteen? So oh my, yeah, there are so many so many things that could happen right now that you know you you just don't know, and we see things like you know the global financial crisis. It used to be a situation in our world when whenever there was a crisis, it was national. So for instance, Zimbabwe they had a had a crisis, and hence you can get fifty billion dollar. Um, notes that are worth two dollars. Mm. These things used to be national, but what we find now is that when there is a financial crisis, it affects every single part of the globe. Yes, we've gone. Na- we've gone from national wars to global wars. We've gone from you know uh, a war in Iraq to a war on terrorism. Mm-hmm. What's the geographical boundaries of the war on terrorism? Yeah, nothing. What's the geographical boundaries of the war uh, of the uh, of the financial crisis? What are the geographical boundaries of climate change? All of the major, the three major crises that we have faced in the last 20 years have all been global in nature. And one of the reasons behind this, of course, is that the easiest way to motivate people is through fear. And so whether you have a crisis, either real or promulgated, that is global, then you can manipulate the entire globe. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we think we're going to have bigger rewards because, you know, we're doing business and finance and so forth on a global level, but really we have bigger problems now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, and, and, and they're using that in a bigger way to control 
the population of the globe and get the population of the globe to do what they want to do because if they own your back pocket, they own you. It's that simple. Um, and if you are scared, you will vote for anything. Look at the United States. They certainly proved that in 9-11, didn't they? Oh, they certainly did. You know, they threw out the basics of their constitution overnight. This is the lesser light collective with come. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have right to the tree of life and enter the gate. Yes, enter the gate. They enter the gate of the city. Immoral denied with sorcerers outside, murderers, idolaters, those who love lies. Forever too late. It's really too late. And really, it is such a pity. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And the bride say, Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You're listening to the Lesser Light Collective here on Faith FM. And we have been studying the book of Revelation and the fall of Babylon. Something that I want to highlight for you here in the book of Revelation. Mon is found in verse 23. If you could read that one for us, please. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 23, you mean? That's the one. It says, The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. Okay, so that's an interesting passage right there. How does the Bible say that Babylon deceives the whole world at the end of time? Sorcery. Okay, so I want you to think about this for a moment. The word sorcery comes from a Greek word. Do you know what that Greek word is? Nope. Very interesting word. Sorcerer? Nope. It doesn't start with S. It starts with P-H. Pharmacia. Pharmacia is the word. There you go. Mm -hmm. Okay, so pharmacia, obviously pharmacy or pharmaceuticals, drugs. Okay. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says at the end of time, the whole world will be deceived by drugs. So are, are the whole world drug users? Oh, yeah, hugely. Really? Oh, yeah. The whole world. I mean, not every single one of them, but the vast majority, I'd say, certainly The are. vast majority of our world are users of recreational drugs. Yep. That's a big statement, Mon. I'm standing by it. You need to back that up. Sure. Because a lot of people here in Australia would say, no, it's only a small percentage of nah, Australians that nah. are users. Look at these three. Alcohol, nicotine, caffeine. 
Boom, there it is. But are those really recreational mind-altering yes, drugs? Yes, Abs- they are absolutely mind-altering drugs. Absolutely. Okay, but seriously, are they causing that much trouble in the world? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, <laughs> Lyle Southwell? I know, I'm playing the devil's advocate right here. But uh, there's lots of people in the world that don't drink or smoke. Large portions of the world. I mean, the whole Islamic world doesn't drink. Coffee is the most drunk beverage on the planet. It actually exceeds the amount of water consumed on the planet. It's a bit scary because it's diuretic. Yeah. Which means that it leaches leaches, um, calcium out of your body. It leaches water out of your body. Um, It leaches everything good out of your body. And gives you the runs. Okay, but um, coffee, come on, come on, come on. Seriously, that's not really a mind-altering drug. It that's actually not, is. In fact, bad. the FDA has said that if they try to pass coffee and caffeine as a beverage today, it would actually never pass uh, food uh, health standards, um, food safety standards, and it would actually be outlawed as a poison. And um, it's only because it was so ancient that it got by because, you know, it's harder to take something away from someone when they're already used to it than to ban them from having something they've never had. So actually, yeah, it is a mind-altering drug. And um, and then, you know, uh, I mean, not as many people drink alcohol as the advertisements would like us to believe, uh, but alcohol is a big one as is yeah, 56% of the world do not drink alcohol. Yeah, that's right. And then, and then you know, if we look at uh, not just um, – you know, recreational drugs, but then also like, a, you know, there's a lot of illicit drugs and then there's prescribed drugs, which are often, you know, wreaking havoc on our brains and on our bodies as well. So, and then, you know, there's, I don't know, it depends on how far you want to use the term drugs because, you know, do you want to use anything that people can be addicted to? Because then if you're looking at addictions, you're looking at, you know, things that alter your mind in an addiction sort of uh, way, your scope is suddenly enormous. Like screens, pornography, violence. It's, it, you can be addicted to almost anything. Yeah, it's one of those things that, um, or if we're going, just going back to, uh, you know, the concept of drugs and uh, caffeine, nicotine and alcohol, you get some regions of the world that don't drink alcohol, say, for instance, Islam. Mm-hmm. You get some dr- regions of the world that... Um, that don't smoke, like here in Australia, very low level of smoking. I noticed in Ethiopia, very low level of smoking in Ethiopia. Did you see that? Yeah, and not much alcohol, but scads and scads and scads and scads of coffee. Massive amounts. You couldn't walk three, five meters down the street with a new coffee shop. Yeah. So yeah. And so I've gone to other parts of the world where you know the streets were just literally running in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, as in the streets, you'd wake up in the morning, you know, and you would walk down the street, and the street underneath your feet was sticky. Yep, and just smelt of stale alcohol. That it's was disgusting. That, that it's was disgusting. In, that was in Rio, and it was during Carnival. Yeah, um, but you know, <laughs> um, and so, but what you'll find is that there are some regions of the world where you'll find one or the other of the big three in low doses. But it's always one or the other. Yeah, but you'll always find that it's one, and that yeah. t- says something about human nature, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Human nature is that we we like our addictions. We mm-hmm. like our drugs. Mm-hmm. We're trying to fill a hole. Trying to fill a hole. There is a God-shaped hole in every human being, and when that hole is not filled, it causes pain, and people will try and fill it with something. And the Bible says that at the end of time, the whole world will be trying to fill that hole with something, and substance abuse is a part of it. Yeah, substance abuse is huge, yeah. And so, you know, we've got a massive uh, industry in illegal drugs, but the biggest industry by far is in legal Legal drugs. drugs. And of course, alcohol kills far more people every year oh. than um, than 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 any illegal drugs ever will. Yep, it's true. 
It's true. And the scope of the damage is a lot wider as well, just on society and, and you know, even just property damage. And Anyway, we could go on for ages about this. Yeah, so I'll just give a quick rundown on uh, caffeine because that's the one that people sort of uh, look scratch at me their heads and scratch about, their head yeah. and like, seriously, there's something wrong with that? Um, it's a type of methylxanthine, anxthine, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and it initiates uncontrolled neuron firing in the brain, and this excess activity triggers the release of adrenaline. The body goes into the flight of fight mode of extreme stress, with the body body maintained at a high and constant level of stress. The following symptoms can result: anxiety, panic, panic attacks, fatigue, mood swings, sleep disturbance, irritability, and depression. So. If you suffer from any of those symptoms or somebody tells you that you are, then maybe that's something worth looking at. Indeed. Um, It causes adrenal exhaustion, which can be masked by an increased dosage. It increases uh, automatic processing skills, but gives a decreased ability to perform complicated tasks, and it worsens fine motor skills. Uh, It will pass through the placenta into breast milk, resulting in addicted newborns and infants uh, resulting in hyperactivity, headaches, mood swings, and lethargy in children. Mm. And, of course, uh, you have that then uh, associated with, you know, ADD, ADHD, all that kind of thing, because these kids have been addicted to caffeine from uh, from birth. Yep, well, from the womb. Yeah. Um, they have an increase, a seven times increased risk. Uh, women have a seven times increased risk of PMS symptoms and five milligrams of calcium is lost for every six ounces of coffee that you drink. Wow. So uh, particularly ladies, watch out. It is leaching your bones straight out through your urinary tract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also linked to birth defects, cancer, stomach ulcers, heart disease, um, you know, and the story goes on and on and on. There's some, actually some more recent research. I was just looking for it just right now. Uh, it's not coming up. Um, that uh, shows you know just how how powerful and a dangerous drug this is. And if you don't believe me, if you're sitting back saying, "Yeah, no, nah, it's just not an issue. It's just not a big thing. This is this is seriously nothing." All right, try giving it up. Yep, that's it's a litmus test. Try giving it up. Quit. Here is my challenge to you: give it up for two weeks. That's all. Just mm-hmm. two weeks. Go cold turkey today and find out whether you are addicted and whether or not this is a powerful drug. And it's, when you try and let go, it's when you find out the stronghold it has on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so this is my challenge for everybody today. Um, spend time in nature, get off your caffeine addiction, and you will feel infinitely better. Some of the best things that you can do for your mental health right there. Interesting that um, caffeine is also blamed for a lot of road accidents because it uh, will use up all of your energy uh, while you're on the caffeine high and when you come off that high... You have no reserve. You have got no reserve and people just crash. Yeah. And people think that it's a good thing for traveling. It's not. It's It's really not. It's a bad thing. It's a disaster. Yeah. Hashtag nature pill. Hashtag faith FM. Show us how you're getting a natural uh, de-stress or a natural high. And uh, we're going to send you a cookbook if you can successfully hashtag your picture and we'll find it tomorrow morning. Anyway, this is Josh Garrels with Further Along. You're listening to Faith FM. Stay tuned. We're coming up next with the question of the day. If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Oh. 
Cheer up my brothers Live in the sun Cheer up my 
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey, are you part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au.
That was uh, Anna Beaton with Wool Over Your Eyes here on Faith FM. We're about to have a question of the day, but before we do, we have uh, John who's called in from Nanango in Queensland to talk about coming off caffeine. John, welcome to the show. G'day, yeah, thanks very much. So yeah, you had a uh, you had a bit of an interesting uh, fight with uh, coming off uh, caffeine, I understand? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I've had uh, like chronic fatigue for quite a while and, um, yeah, just trying to get the health under control and um, and sort of figure things out and yeah so I decided to um to, to cut the coffee out and I've uh, been on it for quite a while so yeah I I um end up um caffeine actually stimulates your bowel so it can it can cause um, a bit of uh, dramas with the stomach area if you if you cut if you cut it straight out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah it's a good thing just to um keep the fiber up. Off. Yeah, keep the fibre up, yeah, and keep and plenty of liquid as well. Yeah, there's one of the things that you often find with people when they come off caffeine is that they don't replace it with water, and so you get a couple of um, side effects from that, one of them being constipation because obviously there's not enough water in the system to uh, to keep things moving. And dehydration, just like headaches. And dehydration. Headaches, all, the, headaches. all those symptoms that you get from coming off caffeine can be really well alleviated by drinking lots and lots of water. John, could I ask you, how long did it take for you to, to come off coffee completely? Or was it just cold turkey, um, boom, there you were? Well, I pretty much went cold turkey. Um, and I, after about three or four weeks, I, um, I realised that, yeah, um, I had trouble going to the toilet. So, yeah, um, I sort of got back on it. And I sort of look back on it again now, but I only have a coffee every second day or third day just to sort of, I just find that it, it just stimulates my bowel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just find it difficult just to go like off coffee altogether. But I think you could do it. But it's just take just takes time, I think, to um 
get it under control. Yeah, and that's a that's yeah. a pretty vivid warning that you're giving us right there of just uh, how powerful this is when you uh, can struggle that hard with, um, with with coming off. Yeah, I have to admit that I um I. I used to work as a barista in a cafe, and of course, you get free coffee as far as you possibly could want. And uh, and so, it got me addicted to coffee. And um, coffee actually prevents your blood from properly absorbing iron. And so, while it gives you a fake chemical high, once that high is done, it actually drops you further than when you were when you started. And so, I um I didn't realize that I was drinking myself into a, a bit of a dire situation. And I had this interesting experience where when I wasn't on a coffee high, I was my body was almost useless and I would be like out with my friends at restaurants and at parties and stuff and I would just be falling asleep everywhere. In fact, one time uh, my friends thought I was a homeless bum because I had just fallen asleep on a bench on the side of the road <laughs> and they walked past me thinking, oh, who's that Darrow? Um, and uh, it took... I went to the doctor and, and she said, you have to get off coffee. And it took me, John, yeah, a yeah. full year to give up caffeine. Yeah. It was it had a terrible yeah. hold on me. So I definitely commiserate. I commiserate with you. I commiserate with anyone who's trying to make that change. It is hard. You have to remember to give yourself something better. That's what Ellen White wrote when she wrote about the yeah, health message. Right. Give yourself something better. Yeah, even ginger and things yes. like that for ginger tea or even peppermint. And people like um, miss the taste, that bitter sweet sort of taste like there are plenty of fake coffees out there coffee alternatives that you can get a hold of like don't think that this has to be a grueling horrific journey they can be really quite yeah. fun to find alternatives to find different yeah. tastes for different things Absolutely. you like all kinds of herbal teas like i am now a herbal tea connoisseur but yeah it's yeah, yeah i commend you thank you so much for calling in and if anyone has having trouble with it definitely do some research go to the doctor get some advice you know don't don't yeah, do it alone Fantastic, John. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was uh, John from Nanango in uh, Queensland calling in to just share with us uh, his stories of uh, coming off caffeine and uh, a couple of words of warning there. Yes, indeed. Keep up the fibre. Keep up the water. Uh, you don't want to end up constipated. And, uh, or yeah, headachey and dehydrated. That's right. And if you're struggling yeah. with going cold turkey, then uh, wean yourself off. Yes, indeed. Okay, Lyle, question of the day. I'm yes. doing a quick one today. What is the lithophilibility and the behemothability? <laughs> Go. Great question right there. <laughs> All right, so this, this is a, uh, a series of questions that came through for us um, in relationship to dinosaurs. And people wanted to know, did humans and dinosaurs used to coexist together? And of course, the answer to that is yes, they did. Uh, then people asked the question, why do we find so many uh, you know, fossilized dinosaurs, but we don't find actual humans beside them? And the answer to that is because of the way that the flood actually worked. Whenever you've got a flood, you find the highest species of of animals are always going to be the last ones to die. And so what you get is uh, in, in any local flood, you're going to get layers within the, in the sediment. And so your simple creatures like crustaceans and so forth that can't move, your snails, that kind of stuff that are moving like at snail pace. Um, <laughs> Nobody laugh. They don't, they don't run away from the flood. They just get covered by sediment. And so you'll always find them at the bottom. And then you'll, you'll, you'll have layers as you work up through to the higher order of animals. 
and the higher the order of animals are, the higher they will be in the layers in any local flood. And of course, that's what we find in the global flood, and that's why you find very, very few human uh, remains whatsoever at all, because human beings, obviously being the highest order of species, having the um, the best ability to be able to, to devise means of escape, uh, very few of them would have ever been covered by sediment in that kind of a uh, environment. Most of them would have been, you know, on top of the ground and thus nothing remaining as a result of that. However, the Bible speaks about the behemoth and the Bible doesn't tell us what the behemoth or the Leviathan is, but it gives us some identifying characteristics by which we might understand what kind of creatures these were. So here's what you've got with the behemoth. He eats grass. He's massive and powerful. Um, the Bible says he has a tail like a cedar tree. Uh, he loves to live in the shade and in the reeds and in the rivers and those kinds of uh, you know environments. And so some people have gone, oh, that's obvious. He's a hippopotamus. <laughs> now um, Hippopotamus have tiny little tails. We saw some hippos the other day, Mon. Yeah, yeah, we did. And they have cute little wiggly we tails did, like yeah, this. Yes. Pig's tails, All yeah. Right. So this is clearly not the uh, hippo that we are talking about here. Mm-hmm. They are very powerful and massive and do like to eat grass and live amongst the reeds in the shade, but... They don't have tail like a cedar tree. Then you come to the Leviathan. There's a whole chapter about the Leviathan in the book of Job. This is a marine creature um, who has scales. So a lot of people have read it and gone, oh, that's a crocodile. Well, no, because crocodiles don't have scales. Um, It talks about his massive teeth, about breathing fire, um, about his massively strong neck having a heart the size of a millstone. Release the Kraken! Sorry, what? <laughs> uh, what are we going to do with Mon? Okay, but you think about a millstone, I've never seen, you know, that's, that's like, you that's know. Huge. That's huge. That's, that's, that's what, three, four, you know, 900 to 1,200 millimetres across, something like that, and uh, never seen a crocodile like that. Um, and the Bible says he makes the ocean to stir and Oil like a pot when he moves. I'm telling you, it's a kraken. So uh, there you go, a kraken. Um, we don't know what these creatures are, but there's a very clear indication that you know, if you look particularly at the behemoth, there's a bunch of dinosaurs that look just like the description that we have right there. Um, and so you know, we, we've got to be careful that we don't speculate too much, but we've also got to understand that yes, um, of course, dinosaurs and humans and all of the other you know megafauna and megaflora of the past lived together. There have been a number of uh, quite a number of places around the world, in Canada, the United States, Turkmenistan, other countries where um, dinosaur and human footprints have been found side by side, preserved in the mud. And, of course, the dinosaurs get uh, uh, turned into sediment. The humans get away. That's what you expect in those kind of environments. Um, these are all hotly debated subjects. Um, yep. And so I'm not going to make any final conclusive statement mm-hmm. on any of them. But, uh, yeah. Lyle, I think we might have to discuss this at another time as well because I have to tell we you, I'm in the middle time. of reading a science history book and I'm not sure I believe in dinosaurs anymore myself. But oh, you don't believe in dinosaurs? Let's save that for another day. So all of those big skeletons are like, yep, don't no, believe no, they we, exist. Well, do you know most of them are fake? Anyway, <laughs> let's discuss this at another time. Fake news, there you go. <laughs> we are running out of time. This is the Statler Brothers within the beginning. If you have a Bit question, give news. us a call. Bit 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. Send us your questions. We love to answer them. In the beginning, the Lord made the earth, the heavens, the hills, and the sea. 
sun and the stars, the land, the fruit, the trees. He made all creatures that live in the earth and taught them to live by His plan. Then, as He rested, the Lord sanctified the seventh day. shall have dominion over all, but because we're nothing more than human, sometimes we stumble, sometimes we fall. In the beginning, the so bright, perfection was there for all men. So pray and believe in the Lord's holy light, and we'll back you are listening to faith fm we've come to the end of our show we have the most perfect book to give away today seriously get on your phone right now 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number first person to call through is going to get a copy of the new york times best-selling book made to crave satisfying your deepest desire with god not food or substances this is written by lisa percurist i'm probably mispronouncing that but this is an incredible book um it talks about um you know, how, how often we fill the God-shaped hole in our lives with food or with substances, caffeine, alcohol, nicotine, whatever that is. Uh, this book is about how to reach your healthy goals and grow closer to God in the process. And she specifically said this book is not a how-to manual or the latest, greatest dieting plan. This book is a helpful companion to use alongside whatever healthy um, approach you are using to get off your substances. Uh, this is this book is a, is, a, is a Bible study as well to help you find the want to and how to make healthy lifestyle changes often we struggle with you know why we're doing it. it's often why we fail and this will help you to find why you want to do it um just just alongside with your your changes that you're making this book will point you to jesus uh it'll give you a reason um and and help you stay on track so this is a fabulous book made to crave satisfying your deepest desire with god not food and substances give us a call now 1-800-FAITH-FM it's 1-800-324-843 and uh, you can get a copy of this book for free fantastic and uh don't forget to stay tuned because right after this we have some great songs for you when he comes 